are the Hornets finally coming back down to earth with all the injuries that they suffered this young season? We discuss all of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. I'm Walker Mail. You can find me on WFNZ on the midday. That's Doug Branson. You can catch more of his work on his Substack. Every Hornets box score at everyhornetsboxscore.com. Not exactly the greatest of write-ups that you would find on everyhornetsboxscore.com today because hey. the Hornets lost. <laughs> that did seem like I was coming after the work. Yeah, a little bit podcast. of a hit job. Why did I catch a stray just because the Hornets can't beat the Bulls? Yeah. Well, everybody suffers, Doug. When the Hornets don't win, then everybody suffers, and that includes the value of your work, which apparently I decided <laughs> to just trash right off the rip. Go check it out. It's awful this morning. Um, it's just not the happiest of write-ups now because the Hornets, they did lose 106-88 to uh, last night to the Chicago Bulls. Another injury suffered from Gordon Hayward. We're going to get to that in the second segment and discuss the impact just from the Gordon Hayward injury alone. But, Doug... I think they rode out all of the injuries as much as they possibly could. They won against Golden State, inexplicably so. They competed against some of these other teams. They blew out the Spurs. They blew out the Hawks after they fell to what was it, like a 15. Was it? I don't think it got to 20, but they fell to a, a big deficit the Atlanta Hawks early on, and that was without Cody Martin. Eventually, you lost Terry after playing a couple seasons, a couple games, and then LaMelo has not played one second so far after getting hurt in the preseason. Yeah, it, it's starting to look like what I thought it would, especially after all the injuries, and the Hornets moved to 3-5 and five on the young year. Um, you know, hopefully these guys can come back as soon as they possibly can. Yeah, well, let's talk about what they're missing, right? LaMelo Ball obviously is going to uh, attract a lot of attention by opposing defenses. He can move defenses with his pass, with off the dribble as well. But his three-point shooting, they're missing that significantly. Uh, Terry Rozier, again, gamer, certified gamer, fourth quarter, clutch performer, but also his three-point shooting, they're missing that. Cody Martin, uh, they could have used bench defense in this game when uh, the Bulls bench was knocking down three-point shot after three-point shot. I'm getting so Sick and tired, by the way, of these bench wrenches coming off the bench for these teams. Sacramento got it against Sacramento. Oh, Davion Mitchell. Be used to it now, though, man. This is what, what happens. Oh, man, this is crazy. These <laughs> non-three-point shooters deciding, okay, this is the opportunity I have now to, to knock down three-point shots against the Hornets. Uh, but really, I think the defense for the Hornets did enough in this game. Held Chicago uh, to 106. Uh, points per possession, Chicago was below average in this game for them on the season. But the Hornets offense, I was looking at this on cleaning the glass, uh, points per possession, 89.6. That's like last in the league. Uh, you know, the, the, the offense was just not good. And it really comes down to, I think, three-point shooting. It was one thing that I was watching heading into the game. The Hornets are actually, before this game, they were top 10 in three-point percentage, but they were near bottom of the league with the Bulls in three-point attempts, which is just so dramatically different than last season. But losing all of these players is finally catching up as the deep bench regresses to the mean. They can get to the paint. But when you kick out, there's just not a lot of confidence in the players 
that are that are in these lineups that you, that you're going to find a three point shooter immediately who can rise up. It's Kelly. Jalen went cold. Really, it's kind of yeah. Kelly. Like Kelly's it in terms of like a knockdown three point shooter. Who else is out there? Really cold well, blooded from three. Well, I mean PJ, but he he didn't shoot very well in this game either. After but having PJ's some awesome focused games. on doing so much more offensively that I think it's taking away from his ability to like consistently knock down three point shots. Well, he was zero of two in this one. He was three of ten overall in this game. And really, Doug, you said regression to the mean. I think that was the theme of the game in a lot of different aspects. Not only did you have regression to the mean with Jalen McDaniel's, who was zero of five from three point range, and McDaniel's is still a good shooter. I don't expect him to be a bad three point shooter. He's just not going to shoot like what was it, 50, 60, 75 percent anymore. Like that just wasn't going to happen. And he missed a lot of shots from deep yesterday, but. I do think he made up for it with transition. I mean, the guy just hustles all over the place. Five, five steals. steals. Yeah. I mean, 36 minutes for McDaniels, still playing good defense. I know Nada, our buddy, didn't like his closeouts. I'd, I'd argue it's more rotation than it is closeouts because he didn't let anybody drive by him from what I can remember. It was just them focusing so hard on not allowing points in the paint because that's the identity, right? That's Steve Clifford. You know, coming out and putting a blanket statement over what they want to do, saying, hey, the, the most efficient shot for a team is to get to the free throw line and hitting layups will allow open threes all day long. It's very James Brago-esque in that sense as far as them preaching the same thing. So McDaniels closing in hard on any drivers, and then you just show a hand as you're running out to a shooter on the three-point line as long as you didn't get don't get blown by. So right. anyways... Yeah, that that was the McDaniel's thing. You know, PJ coming back to the mean as well. You talk about the bench for Chicago, Doug. They were awesome. Like, look at their box score all around from basically everybody except for the rookie Terry. Javante Graham was seven of seven from the field, hit all three of his three pointers. Javante Green. Javante Green. Sorry, what did I say? You said Javante Graham. I think. <laughs> I said, did I say Javante? I say Javante. Anyways, Javante Green. Sorry. Yeah. You just, you're Javante just, you're Green. just, you're just wishing. You know that that's that's where the three point shooting is with the Charlotte Hornets right now. You are you are wishing and hoping that Devontae Graham was suddenly in a Hornets uniform again. That's right. Um, no, three blocks, two steals, eight rebounds. Perfect night. I mean, Javante was crazy in this one, but also Derek Jones, Goran Dragic, Alex Caruso, they went eight of 11 from three, and all of them contributed. So they were fantastic. They also got to the foul line and only missed uh, two of the free throws that they took. So the bench for Chicago, man, I mean, they came in and played crazy all over the place. Steals, blocks, facilitating. You had three of the bench players get three assists apiece. I mean, it's like they were putting up the starting numbers. It was nuts. Well, and and none of that is in the scouting report, right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I thought that I thought the defensive scheme, the defensive idea was executed really well. You look at DeMar DeRozan, 2 of 11 from the field. Zach Levine, who wasn't even supposed to play in this game because they're trying to load manage uh, some knee issues that he has, but he decides to give it a go. He was 4 of 16 from the field, only 19 points in between those two powerhouse players. I'll go ahead and add Nikola Vucevic, who typically just dominates the Hornets. He was 5 of 16. They were letting him shoot three-pointers all night long, and they were sinking way down to take away what DeRozan does in the mid-range game. He 
only had 14. You have to also factor in the fact that the Bulls were on the second night of a back-to-back, and I looked in that game against the Nets. It was a lot. It was starter heavy. They went starter heavy to try to compete against the Nets. So that bench unit was itching. They were itching. They were. They had some energy, and they came out and they popped. I don't even think it's like Jalen McDaniels or or PJ regressing to the mean. I'm really talking about Teo Maladone and Nick Richards, uh, who only had Nick Richards had four points. Maladone, his confidence that he was showing early in this season uh, looks to be completely gone. Um, he was making there was there was a period of time when Maladone and Booknight were both making some pretty serious mistakes offensively that was actively hurting the team. The team had th- eight turnovers in the third quarter, uh, and I thought really sank any opportunity that they had to come back in that game. But yeah, I mean, this was Bulls, uh, you know, a good Bulls team knocking the Hornets in the mouth uh, on the second night of their back-to-back when they had a lot of energy off the bench, and the Hornets are just depleted at this point. Yeah, by the way, also just an impressive stat for the Hornets. How about 24 stocks, 12 apiece, 12 steals, 12 blocks for Charlotte? Everybody that played off of the bench recorded a block in this game. The energy was there, right? The energy was there, but you lose Gordon Hayward in that second half. Clifford mentioned it after the game. You know, they're running so much offense through Gordon and PJ because you don't have LaMelo, because you don't have Terry, that when you lose one of those guys, you go in with a game plan, you go in with a number of plays that you're running through certain players. And when one of those players goes down and you don't have LaMelo or Terry as backups, then, you know, suddenly so much of your offense you got to just throw away and go all right well you know freelance out there and the bulls defense was too good to go and the hornets talent level so low that it was just not you know that this is how you get that apocalyptic 88 point output yeah i mean they they cut down on the turnovers from the 21 i believe they had against the kings that was something steve clifford wanted to do chicago had shown a pretty nice ability to force turnovers on the opposing team they had three early um but still 16 you know you'd like to cut that down but certainly it wasn't 21 and in the end they just couldn't score enough now you mentioned one of those players let's talk about him coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast don't go to sleep on the hornets just yet i want to discuss gordon hayward getting injured, not playing the entirety of the second half. What does that mean for the Hornets going forward? Just another injury we have to discuss. Not before you talk about BetOnline, though. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including mlb mma boxing even have golf you can head to the website today or use or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts gordon hayward discussion coming up next locked on hornets this is locked on hornets you know golden state spent almost a minuscule amount of time with zero of their starters out on the floor. They had at least one out there the entire time. They just have four Hall of Famers. They do. (laughs) Just put them anywhere. You just have one out there. Stack them up. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug. You had Gordon Hayward. He got hurt in this game, did not play the entirety of the second half, but came out guns a-blazing to start this one. Was really aggressive, driving the lane constantly, played 16 minutes, put up 11 shots, only hit three of them, 
only shot three three-pointers, did hit one of the three-pointers on a kickout, I believe, in the corner, and ended up with seven points. That was the stat line, but then he would exit the game with an injury. Now, I think we know that Gordon had been suffering this shoulder injury the Hornets had talked about, maybe affecting him the last couple of games, because Gordon was playing well in the first few contests and was efficient from the field. I can remember even against the Pelicans, I saw the aggression there, where he only shot, I believe, one three-pointer out of the 19 field goal attempts, maybe two three-pointers, something like that, and he hit 12 of those shots, but... The uh, aggression was here and the efficiency wasn't so much at the start of this game. What did you make of Gordon Hayward, his performance at the beginning and eventually not playing the second half because of that injury? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I wrote down in my notebook that I had a suspicion that that shoulder injury wasn't an all of a sudden kind of thing uh, because he was messing with it against Sacramento. Uh, and I don't know if he suffered it against Sacramento or if it happened before that. But I mean, the stats don't really lie. You know, again, that second half against Sacramento, he puts up the goose egg. And then uh, what was his final stat line in this one against Chicago? Three of 11 from the field, one of yeah. three from three. He hasn't shot the three ball well enough really the entire season. I'm not going to put that on uh, the shoulder injury, although I'm certain it, it has affected it somewhat. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's... He wasn't looking uh, similar to what we saw very early in the season, so the injury obviously affecting him. You know, fans are not going to be very uh, uh, sympathetic to Gordon Hayward and any kind of injury that he has. You think uh, they'll because be forgiving over Gordon I don't Hayward? Think just so. Because this is a rare thing for him. There's no? too much. Okay. There's too much. Uh, you know, trauma is the buzzword. You know, it's it's too much <laughs> trauma in terms of Gordon Hayward and injuries with this team. There's too many missed games. Uh, Clifford did say they're going to see how he feels. It's not it's not a certainty that he's going to miss this game against Memphis. Uh, but yeah, you could see and you could see the ripple effects of not having Gordon Hayward out there in that second half uh, to to run the offense through. They just weren't prepared. Clifford did mention after the game though. You know, as they as they looked at Memphis, if they don't have Gordon Hayward, they're going to know they already know that if they have him or they don't have him, probably at this point. And they can, excuse me, they can do some stuff before this game against Memphis to move some of that offense to other players, and uh, you know, be a little bit more prepared for for his absence. And so, so we'll see how it works out against Memphis. Yeah, look, I I think Gordon is a valuable player. He's not worth thirty million. If you want to go ahead and talk about that, just to put over it as a blanket statement, but. I do think the offense was affected. Only 18 points in the third quarter. Only 18 points in the fourth quarter. They scored 26 apiece in each of the first two. Now, that's really simplistic, but I do think when Gordon is out, it's certainly going to hurt them, especially when you don't have LaMelo, especially when you don't have Terry Rozier. I mean, think about the offensive players that you have and really just the creators, people that you can rely on to get you a bucket in the half court. PJ is only beginning to explore those abilities that we saw really in Sacramento, Golden State a little bit too. Kelly Oubre is more of the shooter, starting to get into the mid-range more so. You know, shot 11 three-pointers in this game. That's the Kelly Oubre we all know, <laughs> shooting 11, but hit five of them. So, you know, had needed five. It. I mean, you needed it. If you were going to have a comeback in that game, you had to have 
Kelly and one other player start knocking down three point shots. And, well, you needed um, the nuclear quarter from Kelly, and I and there was a shot we were going to get it in the third. I think he hit three three pointers. I don't know if there was like midway through the third, but then no, it was it was uh, to open the third quarter. It was oh, like okay. nine straight points from Kelly. Yeah, I mean I was he was like, okay. Here they we were go. Hold on. It wasn't quite tsunami warning. They you know Chicago was under a severe tsunami watch. We didn't yeah. quite get the full the full pop. We um, had the right. Yeah, condition. he was out there making shots. Mm-hmm. We did. We had the right conditions for a tsunami poppy type of warning, but eventually that would cool off. It would only take one more shot after that. Um, you know, only the four that he took in that one, but still 24 points for him. So offensively, he is not to blame here. It's just nobody else could really hit. And when we talk about McDaniels, the regression to mean thing, you know, that it's just the shooting, right? That's that's the that's the thing for McDaniels. Still is doing a lot to stay out there. I mean, he led the team in minutes in this one, you know, pretty interesting, you know, Clifford full on has trusted Jalen McDaniels to do um, what he needs to do to, to go out there on the court. But just look at the assist number 22 right now. The Hornets are seventh in yep. the league in assists per game at, at nearly 28%, uh, 28 assists per game. So, you know, that 22 number would represent in, in the league that drops them all the way down to 25th if they were to average that in each game. And so is I that think right? Gordon, like they're, so they're averaging 28 and that's seventh in the league right now. Uh, 27.6. I round up, well, you know, well, <laughs> I give well, the Hornets a little bit of credit. I, I got round okay. up 0.4. <laughs> well, that is not why I wanted to call you out. The only point I wanted to make was that they led the league in assists last year and it was about 28.1 that they posted. So like, it's funny because you would ask them, especially with the injuries. Okay. Can you just give me, as many assists as you did last year, they're doing that, and yet still it's only seventh in the league. So, well, you know, we have to talk about too, like why they have to do that. They had they actually have to be top ten, top five in assists right now because sure. they have to move the ball. Because if they don't, they don't have players. You don't have talent such that you just throw the ball to them and go make me a play. And points per possession wise, you're confident that you're going to get above a point per play if you pass the ball to a player and say go make me a play. I, in fact. I I would ask one player to be a little, you know, if, if these injuries are going to persist, then I think there's one player that has to start being a little bit more aggressive. And it's a player we've we've put a lot of uh, praise on so far. That's Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, 10 points in this game, six assists, did have the two steals. He's doing a lot defensively. And again, it's just like going back to our Gordon Hayward conversation a couple episodes ago. It's probably unfair of us to ask Dennis Smith Jr. as much as he's doing defensively to do a little bit more offensively, but only nine attempts in this one. If there's not going to be a Gordon Hayward or a LaMelo Ball or a Terry Rozier, those shots have to go somewhere and I think it's time we see Dennis Smith Jr. take over a little bit offensively take a little bit more of that role yeah the the good news is I still think he's playing the right way I get it that it's probably unfair I like the only one three-point attempt from him because I'm worried that that even though he shot pretty well it started to regress to the mean as well yeah right right that's the theme the regression to the mean that we saw with the Charlotte Hornets last thing I want to touch on before that damn mean I, I it it is it's so angry that mean why is it it's angrier that regression to the angry is what it should be so Gordon Hayward real quickly we know that Steve Clifford talked about how it probably would be a good idea to try to manage Gordon Hayward's minutes now the thing is it gets thrown completely out the window when you don't have Lamelo Terry or Cody Martin remember Steve Clifford is trying to win basketball games at some point. Gordon Hayward, even the people that can't stand Gordon Hayward, if you have those three guys out, you have to know that Gordon needs to be in the starting lineup, even for the very much Gordon Hayward truthers. But 
He's been averaging over 33 minutes a game to start the season. Last year, through the first month, he was the first, you know, seven games as well. He was averaging 35 minutes per game. So each of the last two seasons coming in, each of the coaches, Borrego or Clifford, talked about how they have to manage Gordon Hayward's minutes, and it just hadn't happened. Now, I do think Clifford gets a little bit more of an excuse because of the injuries, but even last year, I guess, Borrego was without Terry Rozier because of that ankle injury, and that that hurt him. So, you know, he felt like he couldn't put Gordon Hayward on the bench. This time, he gets injured way early. Doesn't seem serious, serious, but, you know, he couldn't miss a game. So... The Gordon Hayward managing minutes thing that has gone awry each of the last two seasons. And it's just, I don't know how much they're going to be able to do it. But if my memory serves me correctly, Terry Rozier missed five regular season games with, with that ankle injury. And, 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 he and it, well, he tried to come back if I'm not mistaken. And maybe it was even against Cleveland wasn't good and sat him again, did the Hornets. And then I think he came back after a handful or whatever. I don't have the exact numbers. We could get and, our research team on it. Yeah, and so maybe there's some institutional memory of that particular situation, and that's why it just seems like Walker that they're being extra, extra, extra careful with Lamelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and, and I don't have enough information on this Cody Martin injury to really even f- speculate as to what's going on there and and when Cody would be back. That's even more mysterious to me, but. Uh, you know, Rod Boone asked Clifford after the game if he's like frustrated, if he's frustrated, if Clifford's frustrated with all of these injuries and having to coach the team as it is. But what about like, fan- I, I'm, are fans frustrated at this point with all of these players g- getting like extended time out uh, that that would seem to be uh, beyond and, and and beyond what we think about ankle injuries in, in their particulars, but also, you know, you're seeing them get closer and closer and comments from the team are where they're getting closer and closer and and you see them on the sideline mm-hmm. and and you see them walking into the game and you see them taking shots pregame Cody Martin shooting pregame you see them practicing they say they're practicing basketball now and yet we don't see them in the game and and I wonder like at what point are you being too careful because these things aren't cut and dry decisions. Organizations l- let guys come back early or push guys to come back early, and sometimes it's right on time. Sometimes it's too late, and so that's that would be my question. Like, where are we in this process, and and does it feel like they're being a little too careful, a little, little too lackadaisical with with this beginning part of the season and opportunities to win basketball games if they're serious about making the playoffs because if they're not if they're not serious about making the playoffs then definitely be like ultra ultra careful with the future of your franchise but if you are actually trying to win then i th- th- it feels like there's not enough urgency around that right now well, yeah i i don't know yeah right and i understand your question nobody knows that i i think the way that they keep announcing lamello out pretty early where Rogier and Cody Martin, they always have this doubtful designation that eventually turns into them being out. Lamello is not doubtful. Lamello is out initially as soon as we see the injury report. And just real quickly, Terry Rogier last year, he missed the first game against Indiana, came back for 22 minutes against Cleveland the second game of the year, got, you know, just wasn't good, wasn't ready to go, missed the next four, and then would come back in the seventh game of the season. So, you know, first five or so. Um, you know, missed about five of the first six there for Terry Rozier and kind of forced Borrego's hand a little bit to play Gordon Hayward more so, kind of happening with Steve Clifford except on steroids because now you don't have Lamelo and you don't have Cody Martin and you're having to deal with just anybody that you can find that can handle the basketball. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Doug has informed me that anytime that we find 
any moment in the show where we just need a little pop. We need to go to the scribbles, as legendary broadcaster Jerry V might mention, or as Doug Branson has coined it, the Every Hornets Box Score Notebook. We might go to Doug's notebook coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Been utilizing, since we've been on YouTube, Walker, I've been utilizing the community page a little bit on our YouTube channel. By the way, that's youtube.com forward slash at Locked on Hornets, YouTube uh, bringing out the uh, handles, at, so we're at Locked on Hornets. So on this, you can put polls up. And so I'm just, I was interested, you know, on the same line of thinking as I closed that last segment out on them being maybe maybe the organization being a little too careful on these injuries. So I put some hypothetical polls out on the YouTube page and I asked folks, hypothetically, if player X, so if Cody Martin, if Terry Rozier, if LaMelo Ball are at 90%, are you letting them play in the next Charlotte Hornets game? We'll start with Terry Rozier. If he's at 90%, are you letting Terry Rozier play in the next Charlotte Hornets game? 59% of the audience said yes. 41% said no. You go to LaMelo. If he's at 90%, are you letting LaMelo Ball play in the next Charlotte Hornets game? 58% of people said no. 42% mm. said yes. So people are yeah. willing to sacrifice Terry Rozier. Right. They're willing to put him into the volcano, <laughs> uh, but not LaMelo Ball. Surprisingly, Cody Martin... Uh, is sitting at 51% no. So people are willing to sacrifice Terry Rozier and not Cody Martin or LaMelo Ball. So interesting. Yeah, do you agree with those results? I I would have voted... I would vote. I'm I'm getting I'm getting itchy, so I would vote yes in all the polls. I'm ready. If these guys can go, if these guys can go, I think you know. And and I've been saying that some of these good wins against Atlanta, where you come back after you're getting blown out in the first quarter and you make this uh, crazy run, Atlanta's a really good team, and they played probably one of the worst games of the season against Charlotte. You get that win. You get the Golden State win where PJ wins a bunch of jump balls and they bear, you know, they they beat him in overtime. Like that was a crazy win. Could have gone either way. Uh, and those, it, the Hornets could easily be one and seven. Which, by the way, Walker, I tweeted, and a, and a few people got a little bit peeved. I, you know, relative to my stature on Twitter, which is none, um, it's it's probably the the closest I've come to being ratioed because. <laughs> Uh, people are still believing the Hornets, and they were upset that I was that I was indicating that the Hornets could easily be one of seven. But it's the truth, and uh, th- the other truth is th- this season is on a razor's edge, and they they've you know gotten these wins, and I think it's kept the the whole injury conversation at bay. But here we are now on the precipice of a three game losing streak, and, and I think that conversation has to start being had. Well, I mean, the the margin for error, for sure, in the larger spirit of your point, yes, like, I I totally agree the margin for error is short. The the problem with the whole, this team should have this record, and this is true in the NFL as well, even in baseball, right? All sports, it's true. There are plenty of things you could, you could do whatever you want to support your argument, right? Like, against the Knicks, that could have gone the Hornets way, and you could add another win, you know, there as well. Like, so... You know, we're talking about just the shoe size if you wanted to borrow the conversation around Kevin Durant. But you're right. Like, what we're seeing now is the fact that this is a team that has a bunch of injuries currently and it's really affecting them. And it's not, these are not games you expect the Hornets to come in and win. They, they, Gave us a great start considering the circumstances, but these aren't games that you see them coming in, coming in, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to bet money on the Hornets to win without Lamelo, without Terry, without Cody, now maybe without Gordon. <laughs> I mean, 
it's tough, especially for a team with all those guys, by the way, even if everybody was healthy, we were still talking about this team going into tank mode. And now you don't have your better players, you know, Mm -hmm. your best player. Like, yeah, that's, that's the tough part about all of this. A little bit more information I think would help right hearing like, I don't know is, is, uh, I'm looking at their faces after the game, and Terry doesn't look very happy after that game against Chicago. LaMelo doesn't look very happy with that result. Are they itching to play? Are they pushing to play? And the training staff is saying, no, we got to be more careful with this. You don't want to, you know, suffer re injury and be out for the rest of the year. We're looking at this from a long term perspective. Maybe a little bit more information would help at this point in terms of just other than saying, well, they're getting closer. They're getting closer. It's getting closer. Yeah. Like that, yeah. I think that is starting to get annoying, and it will get easier even more annoying if they're out for another three or four games and the Hornets start losing basketball games because, you know, you look at Zach Levine. They were supposed to rest that knee. Zach Levine said, no, I'm not going to rest that knee. I'm going to play and I'm going to go beat the Charlotte Hornets. Are the Hornets a team? Well, maybe he did. Well, maybe he did. You know, speculation. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe he did. Yeah, I mean, maybe, well, they said they, were gonna, they said they were not going to play him and then all of a sudden, they, you know, they, they play him. So, you know, if, that, if, if the, the organization is going to have – is going to have the sort of benefit of not playing him, of resting him, but Zach Levine benefits from playing. So, well, look, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Jump well, in. Well, no, it's a conversation no, between me and you. It's a back and forth. It's what I like. Go ahead. Chop it up. <laughs> well, no, this is it. Yeah, the, the pause I didn't know. So, LaMelo Ball is out there in the preseason towards the end of the game. And LaMelo gets hurt in the second half of that preseason game. Was the Celtics as they were playing, I think? They were playing the Wizards. He stepped on a foot. Or Wizards. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's in my notebook, too, if you're wondering. I got it in my notebook. There you go. That's in the notebook. (laughs) We're going to get to that in just a moment. Um, And then it's not even a back and forth. It's just you at that point. I just nod, and you can see me do that on YouTube. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But LaMelo is out there in the second half. Hornets get a little criticized. It's not this big talking point, but certainly it's a question. Hey, why is LaMelo out there in the preseason in the second half when he already logged? I think it was like at least 20 minutes at that point. The other point is, Doug, different regime, sure, but we can go back to LaMelo's rookie year when LaMelo gets hurt his wrist is, you know, I think it's like, what, a fracture against the Clippers that he suffers. And then they put him back out there. One, they leave him out there for a while, if I'm not mistaken. And and you saw him have that injury. And they leave him out there, even though it was clearly bothering him. But then they put him out there for the last 10 games of the season. And it's still bothering LaMelo. And his numbers suffer for it. And so I just wonder, based off of their past, okay, we we push the envelope just a little bit with LaMelo. Now we need to make sure that we're taking care of him. And honestly, Doug, I, even with the circumstances being what they are, trying to win basketball games, with them suffering a few more injuries that make it harder to m- not play another guy if he's like 90%, maybe one person's at 70, 80, 90, whatever. Like, I would rather them exercise caution on all of this. They're, to me, if you have to have it one way or the other, I understand it's not some one-size-fits-all thing for sure, but if it did, I would rather them take this approach. Like This this is just good practice, in my opinion, for an organization to show that they care about the players more so. Now, maybe a player gets angry about it, okay, but like I like a team being a little more careful, especially with your star in LaMelo, because the bigger picture certainly does matter, even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment. 
Well, again, the, I think it's all about communication. If, if that's the deal, if the bigger picture matters, if, if, if they're worried about later in the season or they're worried about his overall, then, then communicate that. I think it's a lack of communication that is resulting in some of my frustration. And I think, I, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there are other people that are, that are frustrated by this situation as well, because you've, you've, you purport to want to, you know, make the playoffs. And that's, if that's your goal, then, you know, it doesn't seem like the way they're handling these injuries is necessarily in, in line with that. All right. Are you ready to hit the notebook? Cause I got some, I got some spicy spices in here, some spicy sausages in here. Yeah. Yeah. Fire away. Uh, the first one, uh, se- I, I'm going to go all the way to the first uh, fourth quarter for the first note. 748 in the fourth, uh, 748 in the fourth quarter. I write in all caps, hot dogs denied. <laughs> This is when Mason Plumley did not miss two free throws in a row and denied Chicago-style hot dogs to the fans. Now, I will say I'm typically a, of the, a fan of the Hornets denying opposing fans food. Sure. But but I'm a huge fan of Chicago-style hot dogs, and I felt like um, that was a travesty of the highest order and something that was within within reach. Like You would kind of expect Mason Plumley to miss both those free throws. He was actually three of four in this game. Nick Richards missed both of his free throws. Things are just totally upside down, but I'm sad what for the fans it, in Chicago not getting the doggies. What What is it? Just It's catch-up, right? That's Chicago. What else is... What's what are you talking relish? about? Why are you you're trolling me, right? You're gaslighting me. You're trying to anger me, right? Uh, saying that a Chicago style. Yes. Are you saying that a Chicago style hot dog has ketchup on it? Only is that what um, you're saying? Not not anymore. No, it's relish. I'm just asking. It's ketchup. It's relish. It's no, no. It's not ketchup. Ketchup is absolutely banned from the Chicago style hot dog. If you put ketchup anywhere near that hot dog, uh, two Italian guys come out of come out of the woodwork from around the corner and beat you with a baseball bat. No Um, ketchup, absolutely not. What's the Chicago style dog? What what is it? Well, you should have listened to Eric Collins because Eric Collins on the broadcast gave you a really detailed breakdown of the construction of the Chicago-style dog during this blowout, and I thought it was really funny. Eric Collins spent some time in Chicago, by the way. He was the sideline analyst for that late, I think the late Jordan-era, late 90s-era Bulls. And so he was giving this like really detailed history of the Chicago-style dog, the things that we've come to love from Eric Collins. It's all in the details of these random facts. But then they cut to Mason Plumlee getting like an offensive rebound putback, and Dale Curry uh, tries to break into this uh, really in-depth discussion of hot dogs with some analysis of Mason Plumley's footwork uh, on the offensive rebound. <laughs> and Eric Collins, uh, completely undeterred, D- Del Curry says something to the effect of like, oh, Mason with the footwork, look at that. And Eric Collins says, yeah, and the poppy seed bun, that's really the key to the hot <laughs> So I I don't know. You, you've just gone on this whole spiel, and I still don't uh-huh. know what a Chicago hot dog style thing uh, come is. Come over, I'll show you. Okay, fantastic. All right, what else is in the notebook? Uh, let's see. Going to the that notebook here. Weird, well, way, I'm going to stick in the. <laughs> I'm going to stick in the fourth quarter. One fifteen when the blowout bees came in. They had Kai. They put Kai Jones, who didn't get the call down to Greensboro. I guess they mm-hmm. just had to have a certain number of, you know, players ready to go. But you know, they send Mark Williams down. They send Bryce down. Those are obviously two players that are you know rookies. You want to make sure they're getting time. Kai Jones doesn't get the call down. Um, but the blowout bees come in, and JT Thor threw an alley-oop to Kai Jones, and I put Thor to Jones for the oop. Let me dream. 
just let me dream about more Thor to Kai Jones for alley oops in the future. Yeah. Um, that would be pretty. That would be pretty you, amazing. You you texted me last night that this game had Pelicans vibes, and I said, yeah, mm-hmm. the shooting also is not working well for the Hornets. As I pressed send, JT Thor <laughs> airballed backboard clank shot and i was like oh no the more thor movement i have triggered them after saying the shooting wasn't great and then he just puts up what was an awful three-pointer well listen the more thor movement will take it where we can get it so if, if the hornets have to get blown out a few more times this season to get more thor you know that's just the cost of doing business okay uh but thor, but thor you know thor had moments in this game uh, obviously you know i don't think he's part of the larger rotation uh point plumley uh was was giveth and taketh uh, so Plumlee. can I can I ask a yeah. question real quick before you go on? Go, like, go does ahead. he does he have the blessing? I I almost feel like Clifford he has does. given Mason oh, Plumley totally. the the blessing the green to go line. ahead and take it up. Yes, because I saw him grab the rebound. I I so two things are either happening. One, either the team is conditioned with open space in front of Plumley after a rebound. To Gordon just Hayward's go and, setting screens for him. So so they're just like, okay, we understand if Plumley grabs the rebound and there is space, we just need to go ahead and get back because we would like for him to have somebody to pass to in the most dire of situations, which is probable, not possible. It's probable. The other thing is, the other thing that could be happening is if Steve Clifford is actually cl- uh, coaching that way. Okay, hey, Mason grabs it. You see open space. Just run down the floor. Point Plumley is this is we joke about it and yet this is an actual thing. Well because I think you know from from Clifford's perspective he sees a gap. He, you know he wants to exploit a gap which is you have a center that I think teams don't take seriously with the ball in his hands and and Plumley does have uh, some ball handling skills that are probably outside of the range of what you would expect someone of his size to have, and he and he has enough to get to the rim and 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 throw it down. We've seen it. We there's evidence of it happening. The problem with it is that Point Plumley cannot control himself. He giveth, but he cannot only giveth. He must taketh away. And it literally happened two minutes after that when he went face up on Vooch, and Vooch just took his cookies. Like, what are you trying to face up I'm- Plumley? Take it away. I'm pretty sure the the point Plumley experience is like an algebraic equation. What you do to one side, you have to do to the other. It all has to balance. So if he it has a breakaway reverse dunk, you are going to have a turnover next time he decides to break out point Plumley. Yeah, point Plumley respects the law of physics. Uh, you know, yeah, everything liquids turn into gas, but there is a finite amount of sauce in the universe. Um, and, uh, unfortunately, what are you doing? You are just, you're, tri- you're triggering me right now. And I, I don't, I don't appreciate it. I'm, I'm giving you my, de- these delicious nuggets from my notebook mm, and Chicago uh, styled you- nuggets. <laughs> Dip them in ketchup. <laughs> Poppy seed breaded. Yum. Last thing, last oh, little, good. last little nugget here. Um, Nick Richards and PJ Washington in this game had a little bit of case of the bobblies. They're bobbling the basketball. They got to secure it. PJ Washington had four turnovers. Nick Richards, where has Nick Richards gone? Hey, he was there when he destroyed. Who was it that tried to dunk on him? Um, it, I mean, uh, Patrick Williams. What that was an excellent block. So that was that was Nick awesome. with he the block stick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. good. You know, help blocks. Great timing. That's great. 
but they he need offense right now. They don't year, need though. they don't need defense. They got enough defense. They need some offense from old big Nick. Big Nick. No, I'm still gonna. I'm so <laughs> whoa easy. I'm still gonna take uh, any of the blocks that Nick Richards is out there dishing. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets, a Chicago style edition of Locked On Hornets. We appreciate you making us your first listen. Make your second listen. Locked On NBA. It's your daily 30 minute update on everything taking place within the association. You can catch Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 